Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. I'm going to read from my phone. If y'all are wondering, I'm not answering texts on my phone. I'm actually using this as the scripture. So, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. The title of my message is The Kingdom. The Kingdom. So let no one judge you in food or in drink regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. You see, everything they did in the Old Testament, they did it directing us towards the kingdom in the New Testament. Everything. We're going to talk about this morning, even the manna that fell in the wilderness was a type and shadow of God's provision for us for the double portion in our lives that we can enter into the fullness of the kingdom that he has for our lives so as we go through this teaching I want you to be thinking kingdom you know you remember the scripture in the beatitudes I don't have this one but I just the Holy Spirit just gave me this remember the scripture in the beatitudes where Jesus said blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom. It doesn't say blessed are the poor for the church folk will feel sorry for them and give to them and feed them. No, it says blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom. Now, years ago when I was a young man, I remember that scripture and I, I didn't understand it. Blessed are the poor. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Blessed are the poor? And then... I've experienced being poor in my life. I've experienced, I didn't feel blessed. But Jesus is not saying, oh, you're so blessed when you're poor. You know, it's got perverted that even the vow of poverty has become a spiritual thing. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He, Jesus is saying, as a matter of fact, all through teaching, he talks about gaining wealth and stewardship. And he gives to each one according to their own ability to steward. And whoever can steward well, the more he gives. And he talks about abundance. Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's 3 John 2. And so what's he talking about? Blessed is the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. Here's what he's saying. Blessed are the poor, for the answer is the kingdom. You're blessed. You don't have to go around, I'm just poor. I'm just poor. What am I going to do? It's like when you go to town, when you go into Amarillo and you see the people sitting there, and they're sitting out there, need food, need help. God bless you. That's the only time they ever talk about God. I know that's a generalization. But y'all may have heard me say this before, but the other day, Marianne and I were sitting at a stoplight and there was a lady out there with a sign that said, need food, need money, need help. God bless you. And right across the street was Arby's that said, need help. Other places were saying, need help, $300 signing bonus. Now, I'm not saying this was spiritual, but this is what I thought. I'm just going to tell you the truth, okay? Bearing my soul here. I wanted to drive up and say, hey, sweetie, 
The best thing I can do to tell you to help is they need help over there. So why don't you go be a blessing to them and they'll bless you. And then you won't need to stand out here on the street corner with a sign that says need help. Because the word says blessed are the poor for theirs are the kingdom. And, and, and I hope that you hear the kingdom is not just some fuzzy thing. But the kingdom is he'll start giving you the, the strategies to create income. The kingdom, the ideas, the concepts, the insights. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Well, if you look back up there a few verses earlier, it's what are you going to eat, what are you going to drink, what are you going to wear? In other words, the daily things of life. Instead of a cardboard box that says need help, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all of those things that I need help with on a cardboard sign shall be added unto you. What's he saying there? Seek the kingdom. It doesn't mean, I'm just going to seek Jesus and Jesus will just float money out of the sky and take care of me. If I seek Jesus, the church will feel sorry for me and they'll take me in and they'll food, clothe, and shelter me. Well, I'm not against that. I'm all about that. But what it's saying is if I will seek God's way, his kingdom, his government, then I won't be in a need because he'll give me ideas and strategies that will produce income in my life. But you've got to get out of a slave mentality. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. We all know this scripture. Isaiah chapter 9 beginning at verse 6. We hear it every Christmas. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Well, I'm going to stop right there. The government, see it's talking about government here. What's he talking about? The kingdom. It's a government, right? The government of the kingdom will be on his shoulders, not on yours. You see, his kingdom, his principles, his way of doing things, that responsibility will be on his shoulders. That's good news this morning. Man, that's better news than y'all are amening. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor. What does a counselor do? He gives you counsel. He'll tell you, hey, have you thought about buying this and then selling it? You remember when the Holy Spirit through the prophet spoke to the widow and he said, go borrow vessels. Did you know what limited how much oil she had? How many vessels she went and got? When she ran out of the vessels that she went and borrowed, that's when the oil stopped flowing. I'll let that marinate for just a little bit. So, it's on his shoulders. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government, listen to this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It never stops. Of the greatness of his government and what comes when we get into his government, what does it bring with it? Peace. Not toil and sweat. Not misery, not foot sore and poorly shod, not 
Oh, it's Monday, gotta get up in the morning. Got to hurry, got to scurry, got to, got to, got to get to work on time. Does that sound like a brick, like making bricks for Pharaoh? That sounds like a slave, doesn't it? Oh, in a time that we're so conscious of slavery, yet we live our lives, no matter what color, in slavery. Because we've never understood. That's what the Lord spoke to me. You've really never understood my kingdom. Because if you understood my my kingdom, you would see greater things than what you're seeing. So there's no end. Of the peace and government, there's no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. So, uh, well, uh, I'll get to that. With justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal. Does that sound like, oh, oh, um, oh, okay, he's begged me long enough. I'll bless him. It says with zeal he'll accomplish this. So justice. The definition of justice for the sake of what we're talking about is he established with law. He established with law. So the justice is established with law and righteousness. Now listen to this. So the kingdom, take the word kingdom. The kingdom is the king's dominion. The king's dominion. That's where you get the word kingdom. And so... When the kingdom, the king has dominion, then righteousness is whatever the king says is right. Are you with me? Did that go right by your ear? Whatever this king, because he has kingdom, minion, kingdom, whatever the king says is right is established as righteous. So whatever he says right, he establishes it with justice based on the laws of the kingdom. And righteousness, whatever he said right, is right. First John 5, we know that this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, 1 John 5, 4. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will. See, the king with dominion says what is right. Or what his will is. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And he's not talking about, I heard you. He's talking about from a court of law, from a legal standpoint, from laws, justice, he hears the case in the courts of heaven. And this is the confidence. Now you've got to quit thinking about hearing like y'all are hearing me. It's a legal term. It's a legal law term of righteousness this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will he hears the case he hears us and if he hears us then we have whatever we have asked of him why because he's righteous and he establishes justice if he's made it a law then his righteousness will bring it to pass are you with me so far so 
I know that he has established a, a, a law and he's declared it right. And if something comes up contrary to his law, he'll hear my case and make it right. That's justice. So, if I read in his law that he doesn't put sickness and disease on me, and as a matter of fact, he paid on the cross, the finished work of the cross was for my healing. What is righteous or what is justice to be healed? So we know that he also took on the cross poverty, sin, sickness, death. He took all of those things on the cross. And justice prevails. And if we are righteous, we will walk in that. Does that make sense? But this is totally opposite of the way the, the Christians live today. You see, they beg and plead God to do something about it. But he's already established it. It's law. He has already established. It's not an arbitrary. God's not sitting up there and, and, and depending on what mood he is, it's an arbitrary thought. He's already established righteousness and justice. And is of his kingdom, there is no end. And you remember, John the Baptist came. He didn't preach Jesus saved. He said he preached the kingdom. Then Jesus came and he preached the kingdom. And then the disciples came and they preached the kingdom. And then it says in Matthew 25, there'll be wars, rumors of wars and all this thing, but the end is not yet. You see, if you get to listening to most Christian radio and a lot of stuff, oh, the end is here because of this and the COVID. And he says, no, the end's not yet. But it said, but this gospel of the kingdom of God shall be preached to all the world and then the end will come. When's the last time you heard somebody preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God? Or did you hear the gospel Jesus saves? You see, the end can't come till we begin to preach the revelation of the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of his king dominion, of justice and righteousness. And then the end can come. You see, whenever we preach this all over the world, instead of just, Jesus saves. Now, I'm not negating. Please, don't. you got to hear me. I'm not saying that that's not awesome. Praise God, or we all wouldn't be here. But there's more to it. We only are accessing this little thimble, this little minute scratch of the surface of what Jesus did for us. That's why we need to understand kingdom. We need to understand, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his rightness, his will, because he is the dominion of the kingdom, king, dominion, kingdom, and he established what's right or righteous. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, when you start seeking it, you're going to see, oh wow, he doesn't want me to just stay here foot sore and poorly shod. He wants me to be prosperous. He wants me to be healthy. He wants me to have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He wants me to have the Holy Ghost. He has great things for us and we've got to enter into the kingdom we all know the laws of gravity right 
you know that if you jump off a building, you're going to splat. I don't see any of y'all in here holding on to the bottom of your seats for fear that you might float off of them this morning. Some of you wished you could float a little lighter. You stepped on the scales this morning and you thought, I wish gravity wasn't here. I didn't see anybody holding their seats. Be quiet because you're highly developed in the law of gravity. You understand the law of gravity. You're not going to float off your chairs. But do we understand the laws of the kingdom? See, today, someone gets healed and we go, oh, it's a miracle. No, it's not. It's a law of the kingdom. Finally, somebody decided to flow with the kingdom and get in agreement with the kingdom. Finally, someone knew what was available in the kingdom and then they received what's available in the kingdom law. Okay, so we talked about gravity, so let's talk about what supersedes gravity, the law of lift and thrust. How else can a 40, 60 ton jet or airplane fly? There's a greater law. There's a greater law than this earth cursed toil and sweat system. The kingdom of God. That's why he tells, he knows we're apart because, see, Adam had it all. He had king dominion. He had kingdom dominion. And he punted. He punted. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about this. How do we access the kingdom? Remember Luke 8? The woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood. She went out into public and it says that she got her healing. Jesus didn't even know she was there. It was a crowd. He said, somebody touched me. And they said, what do you mean, master? Somebody touched you. They're all thronging you. He said, no, somebody touched me. In other words, somebody drew the anointing out of me. He didn't even know. He had to say, who did it? But see, he said, daughter, your faith made you well. You see, she, she sought the kingdom laws as they were being established before he'd even done the finished work of the cross and she pulled that out of him. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So the same way that she got healed, the same thing happens with money, finances. Oh, he's talking about money in church. They, you know, the world doesn't get upset about talking about money in church. It's religious folks. But yet there's more scriptures where Jesus talked about money and finance than he talked about heaven or hell. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Two chapters, all he talks about is giving and receiving. But see, we've grown up in this earth curse system that Adam lost. Death entered, and Adam became a survivalist. How many times have you heard Christians say, I probably said it way back there, I'm just trying to survive. Maybe you said it. 
We're just trying to hang on. We're just trying to survive. I've said it, and the Lord's, the Lord's chastised me about that. Say, no, no. I'm a king in the kingdom. I've been given spiritual authority. See, Jesus, Adam gave it all up, but Jesus bought it back. The trouble is that the church still hasn't realized he bought it back except for to get a ticket to heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is now. It's here. It's not a place in fuzzy land. It is a place in fuzzy land. It is up there. I'm talking about heaven. I'm not trying to be derogatory, but I'm trying to get you to see what I'm talking about. So, but the kingdom of heaven is here. For he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's right here. I mean right in amongst the feedlot smell of Hereford, Texas is the kingdom of heaven. Or, let's say it this way, right in the midst of the smell in your own personal lives is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. The answer is the kingdom. Man, if you're poor in here this morning, you ought to be shouting. Remember, I believe it's Luke chapter 4. This isn't in my notes, but I just heard this. And Jesus got up in the temple and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to restore sight to the blind. Anyway, you know, I'm not quoting it exactly. That's my loose translation of it. But what's good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. Blessed is the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. Or, you might even say it like this, just go with it. Blessed are the sick, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the depressed, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed is for the marital problems, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed is the downtrodden, theirs is the kingdom. I think you catch what I'm trying to say here. Genesis chapter 3, when Adam fell, here's what God said to him in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife, so men, that's our excuse to not listen to our, no I'm just kidding, just kidding, please listen to your wives. The truth of the matter is, God speaks to me through my wife and it just aggravates me sometimes. I call her old Holy Ghost Junior once in a while, you know. But God will use her to speak to me if I listen. So I'm kidding about don't listen to your wives. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Because of Adam giving the dominion back to Satan, cursed is the ground. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. See, that's where I get that phrase, the earth cursed toil and sweat system. See, it doesn't matter. He was talking to an agrarian society so the way they produced income was what? Through farming. Now, I may still produce income through farming, but a lot of you else, your ground is something else. It's a business. It's a career. 
and he'll bless your ground. Jesus paid the price, but we, we've got to get out of this mind of the earth-cursed toil and sweat system. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. Here, here's, we've become so familiar with the earth-cursed toil and sweat system, we don't even realize we're not thinking kingdom-minded. Let me give you an example. I come rolling, this, this wouldn't really happen, but I come rolling up to your house, and all of a sudden I pulled over on the side of the road, and right across the street from your house, I found a sack of money, $100 million in a sack. And so I think, who's this? This is 100 million. I've got to call and see who's. So I call. Now, this is the part that would never happen. I call the government, and they say, it's not ours. <laughs> I call all around, and they say, it doesn't belong to anybody. It's yours. Keep it. And so I come over to your house, and I'm knocking on the door. Knock, 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 knock. I go, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I found 100 million. It's been right there all along, right across the street from your house. Praise the Lord. Aren't you so fired up? in Jesus good, and you're going, praise the Lord. Because you're thinking, you mean, that money was right there across from my house? And what do y'all think? What, what, what do we think? It isn't fair. Thank you, Bill. It isn't fair. Why does he get that? Why? It isn't fair. You're a slave. See, when you think like that, you're a slave. It isn't fair. Why do, everything they do, everything they do just seems to work. It isn't fair. You're a slave. You're a part of the earth-cursed toil and sweat system, and you are a slave to it. Because if you were a king in the kingdom of God, you would say, bless God. Those same, what did Bill say during the song? If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Peter said, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. That's in Acts. The book of Acts, he said, God is no respecter of person. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you, like the song says. And so, rather than praise the Lord and celebrating, let's just bring it down to, maybe you can think of certain things. Uh, your neighbor, I'll put it on my everyday kind of thinking. You hear somebody, a neighbor just bought a farm. Just down the road from you. Well, I didn't know it was for sale. Really? One time, we had some land that we'd farmed for 25 years. It came up for sale. And so we were negotiating with them, and someone else got wind of it, and they came and slid around, and they offered more money, way more money. And so now I had to pony up. I'd already offered way more. I was like, that's stupid what I just offered for. And my sons were upset. They said a few choice words. They were upset at the person who come in behind us. I said, uh-uh. I said, don't you go there because God has something better for us. I said, we're going to bless them because, see, I had a revelation. I don't always do it right, okay? This is one story. I'm going to tell the story. I did it right, okay? <laughs> I said, you're not going to do that because God has something better for us. I said, don't you get into unforgiveness or bitterness over. We bless them. Why? Because God 
is the one in control of our prosperity. Not some old piece of land that honestly, when you look at it now, it was the sorriest farm I had. That thing had so many terraces in it, it took a week to farm it. Because all you did was lay off a new land in between this terrace. Eight terraces. I said, that's the sorriest farm. That's what I told the boys later. I said, look what God did. Because two weeks later, a place I've been farming ever since we got married, I leased the place sight unseen from a guy out of Colorado. He was an old retired school teacher, and he had a bunch of land up in Colorado. And I called him. I said, you don't know me. He kind of knew my family a little bit. Not well, but he knew the name. We'd farmed across the road. I said, I just got married. Would you be willing to lease me that place? He said, yeah, I'll send you a contract. And when I started farming, that place had weeds this tall. My dad was still living. I remember he was ill, but he'd get in a tractor and he'd drive it. A tornado had strewn junk all the way across it. There was, well, a neighbor's barn had gotten leveled, and he had lots of beer cans in his barn. And there was beer cans, half of them. They were ripped in two. They were empty ones. You know, and they were scattered all across the farm as well as just all tin from the barn and just junk. And the weeds were so bad from the guy who didn't farm it before that we'd plow up to it and my dad would stop. And I was plowing behind him with a one-way. And I'd get up there and I'd stop and I'd get out and I'd, if I could, I'd lift it like a stock tank. I'd roll it over out of the way into the plowed ground so we could go. And we filled up like five, six, Earl, you can appreciate it. We filled up like five or six bobtail trucks of junk. And I mean not stuff that was worth anything, like wood and stuff like that. Little pieces of aluminum beer cans. I guess we should have, if I'd have known Earl back then, I'd have let him clean it up. Because Earl is anointed to get the most money out of junk of anybody I know. So anyway, so we haul all that stuff off. But so this farm, okay, this farm I've been farming it 25 years. I've tried to buy it before. No, no, no. And they, they mentioned to me about maybe if they bought some more land up in Colorado, they'd do a, what is it called, 1032? 1031, I always get the name, number. 1031 exchange where they would sell this and buy that. And I said, okay. And we talked about a much higher price. And land's worth way more now by this time. And I'm thinking... Okay, so the guy calls me out of the blue. After I just, two weeks after I told my sons, don't you get an unforgiveness. We bless them. We sow that into them. We're moving on. God's got something better for us. So I was already farming this thing, but all of a sudden it comes up. And so I asked him, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, just be quiet. Let him do all the talking. Well, y'all know that's hard for me. Y'all ain't supposed to laugh that hard. So I said, what do you want for it? What do you want for it? And then I just got real quiet. And he starts talking. And he names this price. And he just names the total price. It was a quarter section. So he names the total price, not bust. I always think in dollars per acre. So he names the total price. I'll take my phone. And I'm punching the button up. And I see the figure and I go. And I see the figure again. I said, I bet we can do that. It was done just like that. I bought that thing. It was the cheapest land I've bought in recent history. I mean, I, I bought it 
several hundred dollars below the market. That's God. And thank God I didn't buy that other one. Because I'd already offered three times what it was worth. For sure 30%. Uh, I'd offered 30 to 40% more than what it was worth. Truth of the matter. But see, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's a blessing. That place has been a blessing to me. And then my kids, because they obeyed me, this is how good God is because I ain't really this good. But I leased them that farm back for less than what the payment is on it. But I got such a good deal, I just thought, well, this will get them a start. They'll get started good. And so they leased the farm. And I, the, one of the first years they leased it, they cut over 90 bushel grain sorghum crop. Non-irrigated. Non-irrigated grain sorghum crop. And then... Two years later, they fallowed it. Then two years later, they stripped two and a quarter bale cotton crop, non-irrigated, off of it. And I'm looking at that. It's got terraces. It's got two, and I'm thinking, they just spanked me on production of my stuff right next to it. But when we seek the kingdom, because as soon as I told my boys that, they said, you're right, Dad. You're right. Let them have that old land. They might have kicked the dirt a little bit, you know. It's kind of like, you know, when you ask your kids, take out the trash, and they kick the door open and sling the bag over there, you know. They did it. They were obedient, but they weren't necessarily willing. You know what I mean? I better move on. Have I, done, have I read you Genesis 3, 17? Toil and sweat. The earth cursed toil and sweat system. It's what this earth runs on. But we got to disconnect from that earth cursed toil and sweat system and we live in the kingdom of God system. That's what he's saying in Matthew 6.33. Wouldn't it be great if you hated Fridays because you couldn't work on Saturday? Now it's getting quiet in here. Because in the earth curse, toil, and sweat system, when we're in the slaves, when we're slaves, we look to be through. We look to lay down. We look for Friday. T-G-I-M, baby! We look for Friday because we're slaves. Because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday... We're doing something like making bricks for Pharaoh. But when you have purpose, you see, when, if, and how do we know? We ask the Holy Spirit to show to us. What God, what is it you want? See, I believe that there's a bunch of us in this church this morning that you're doing something. Now, it doesn't mean you're sinning, but you're doing something for your livelihood that is not God's purpose and destiny for your life. It's just a job. It's just making bricks. And so what happens when we need more? Oh, I, I just bought another car. By the way, debt is more slavery. The borrower is servant to the lender. 
So you become a slave. And so we buy another car and we go into debt. And so what do we do? Because we're so highly developed in the earth curse, toil and sweat system. What do we do? We go get another job. Because everything we do in life is time for money. Labor for money. You see, because we cannot disconnect. I'm here today to help you change your minds. To disconnect from that earth cursed toil and sweat system. Some of you may just be, maybe you had a little revelation of this, but Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So what are we going to do about it to change things? You need to learn the kingdom laws. You know the law of gravity. Obviously, we know the laws of the earth cursed toil and sweat system. Why don't we learn the laws of the kingdom? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. God, I've still got lots of time. Thank you, Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, five and six. Now, he could do no mighty works. He was talking about Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. He could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, if I said before I read that scripture to you, God can't do everything, y'all would go, y'all be like Scooby-Doo. Roo? God can't do everything. He couldn't, he couldn't heal anybody in his hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief. You see, so you've got a part to play. You have to cooperate with the kingdom. You have to step out in faith, and you have to believe God. And money, as we're talking about this morning, is the tool of the earth realm. Money is the tool of the earth realm. So, yes, you have to make money. Ecclesiastes says money answers all things in this earth-cursed, toil and sweat system. But if we do it God's way, so how are we going to do it God's way? As we learn about his kingdom laws, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 9, this is when the Lord began to speak to me about, you don't know my kingdom. The only way this is possible is we have to enter into the rest of God. Hebrews chapter 9, I mean Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for who? A rest for the people of God. Who's the rest for? Is it for God? Well, brother, it's the Sabbath. And I must rest on the Sabbath. God's word declares it. Is it for God? It said it's for the people of God. There therefore remains a rest for the people. He's talking about the Sabbath rest. There therefore remains a rest for the people of God. For he 
who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from what? His own works. You see, when we enter the rest of God, we cease from our own works. Let me put it this way. When we enter the rest of God, we cease from our own earth-cursed toil and sweat. When we enter into it, now I'm not talking about a day off. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a place in the kingdom's dominion. I'm talking about entering into the finished work of Christ. I'm not talking about a day off. I'm not talking about a nap. The finished work of Christ is this. You remember when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. What was finished? Your healing, your deliverance, your prosperity, your ticket to heaven, your peace, your wellness, wholeness, well-being. That's the word salvation. He finished the work on the cross. And when we enter into his rest, we, we enter into what he's done for us. I'm not talking about a day off. I'm not talking about a nap. Now, I, I'm not saying you don't need to have a day of rest, okay? But I'm talking about as it pertains to the kingdom, you enter into his provision of what he's already done for us, the finished work of Christ. Let me read it like this. There therefore remains a, a finished work of Christ for the people of God. For he who has entered Christ's finished work has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his own. And so what's it talking about? It's talking about in creation, you remember? See, God created on the sixth day man, and on the seventh day, it said he rested from his own works. He rested from his work. Why, was God tired? No, he wasn't tired. He was finished. He was, he was finished. Let me say it another way. I'm going to say some of this so many times, you're going to get it. He created man on the sixth day for the seventh day rest. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Were they sweating and toiling? No. They were hanging out with God. Walking naked through the garden. Naming stuff. They needed something to eat? Oh. They needed, they needed some meat? Oh. Kill a bird? I don't know. It was all provided for them. Until what? They tried to do it on their own. And they disobeyed God. And then the earth cursed toil and sweat system. God said, by the sweat of your brow. So they entered into the finished work of Christ. Now let's talk about, let's talk about today. Luke 5. We've been talking about what that stupid Adam and Eve did. Let's start applying it to stupid you and stupid me, okay? I'm kidding. Y'all aren't stupid. Ignorant, maybe. Ignorant means you don't know. How do you know? Now listen, I don't know if I'll get here, but that's why I want to come back and preach some more because I don't know if I'll get here, but you're just going to have to trust me on this, all right? How do you enter into the rest? You remember the manna? that fell, 
He said, six days you'll gather it, but don't gather any extra, remember? He said, you got just enough for one day, but on the sixth day, what happened? Twice as much. Why? So on the seventh day, they wouldn't have to, they could rest. You see, that was the type and the shadow of the kingdom of God. How is the rest of God possible? By the double portion. Okay, remember? On the sixth day, he gave them a double portion that lasted them through the day of rest because on the day of rest, they couldn't do earth, curse, toil, and sweat. It was the type and shadow. Remember we read back there the very first verse for the, for the don't let anybody judge you in new moons and festivals for all of those are a shadow of things to come. See, the manna from heaven was a shadow of the kingdom of God and how we can enter into his rest. But the only way we're ever gonna enter into his rest is through the double portion. Somebody ought to be shouting, thank you, Jesus. How do you enter into how are you in rest when you can't pay the light bill? You mean to tell me that God wants to do more than just pay my bills? Yes, now let's get to Luke chapter five. So it was, verse one, so it was the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing in the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the, from the, from the boat. All right, so let's put it into every day. Jesus went, and Simon allowed him to be involved in his business. And he gave his business to the work of the gospel. You see, he wasn't a slave. All of a sudden, he... He became kingdom purposed. He gave his business for the Lord to use. And so he launches out and he speaks to the multitudes from the boat. And when he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now, listen, they'd fished all night, caught nothing. So he says to him, launch out into the deep and lay down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled, toiled, Master, we've toiled. Master, we've toiled. We've earth cursed, toiled and sweat all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. That's what you got to decide this morning. Nevertheless, God, it's your word. Nevertheless, it's your word. I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking in the other boat to come and help. And so they called to the other boat to come and help them and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and who were the partners of Simon. Okay, so here's what happens. Jesus, they allow Jesus into their business. Simon allows Jesus into his fisherman business. And so then he tells him, because you see, he is operating by a kingdom law. He's sowing 
Now listen to me, you're going to have to catch this because I, I know I ain't going to get time to get this done today. He's sowing. He's sowing his business into the kingdom purposes. He's sowing a seed. As long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. Corn seed produces seed. Fish seed produces fish. Bread seed produces bread. Remember feeding of the 5,000? Wheat produces wheat. Tomatoes produce potatoes. It reproduces after its kind. But you can take money that's a bartering system or your business, and when you sow it into the kingdom, guess what he'll do? Reproduce more business. And so here, why Simon said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, is because he realized. Do you notice it said, and they grabbed, they were cleaning their nets, plural, and when he told them to launch out in the deep, they said, we've been fishing all night, God. We've been earth cursed, toiling and sweating. We hadn't got it. But see, God gave them a strategy to launch out into the deep. Do it a little different. Just twist it a little. Just change it a little. And so he goes out into the deep, but they only got one net. What was the limit? One net. And then they called the two partners in. And hey, by the way, the two partners got blessed because the main dude, Simon, was obedient to God and he sowed into the kingdom. Those who are associated, when you sow into the kingdom, your family will be blessed. When you sow into the kingdom, if you've got business partners, they will be blessed because of your faithfulness. And so, here's what happens. Are you mean to tell me God wants to do more than just meet my needs? I'm telling you, these guys, he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man because he realized I should have had more boats. If I was kingdom minded, I would have had more boats. Just like the widow, if she'd have had more jars. She'd have been the biggest oil tycoon in Zarephath. But she limited, she set the measure you got to set the measure. You see, when he realized God wants to do more with my life than just meet my needs, he wants to give me the double portion. Why? Because with the double portion, then the rest of God is available to me. I can do whatever God tells me to do with my business. I can do, oh, but hang on. I'm not just talking about two times. The double portion is great. Let me, let's talk about the Sabbath year. You remember the Sabbath year? He said, you're, you're not to do any toiling and sweating or working in the fields for a whole year. How was that possible? And then, let's talk about the year of Jubilee. The 49th year, seven times seven, every seventh year is the Sabbath rest. So 49th year is a Sabbath rest, all right? But 50th year is a year of Jubilee. So they had to rest all of the 49th year and all of the 50th year until the next crop on the 50th. So for nearly three years, they did nothing in obedience to God. They entered into his rest for three years. How was that possible? The double portion. But the double portion ain't times two. The double portion is by abundance of more than enough. There's a scripture here. He says, you may ask. It's Leviticus chapter 25, verse 20. When Moses was instructing them about the double, 
or, or, or about the, how to lay out the Sabbath years, he said, you may ask, verse 20, Leviticus 25, 20, you may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? He says, I'll send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. It's called the overflow. But here's the thing. We don't know that the overflow exists. When's the last time you were looking for the double portion? Or were you just looking, well, brother, the word says, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all my need. He doesn't say all my wants. That's because you got a slave mentality. Because you're a brick stomper. But he says, I'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory. He walks on pavement. God shall supply all of your riches or all of your needs according to his riches and glory. His mind is so much bigger about supply and abundance than your little old brick stomping slave mentality. Just enough for me and my family, Lord. That's all we need. I've heard so many Christians say that. It makes me want to spit. Oh, really? So you just want enough for you and your little old family. You don't care about feeding anybody else. You don't care about taking care of anybody else. You don't care about building buildings that are financing and financing the gospel so they can go to foreign countries like places that have never even heard about Jesus or the kingdom of God, more importantly. Because you just want enough for you and your little old selfish family. Because it's just all about us. We just care about us. We don't care about the neighbors. So for all of y'all out there in TV land and in the audience that think, that guy's just all about money. You're the selfish one. You're the selfish one. Because all you care about is your little old self. And pay your light bill. And get you a five-year note on a car. And as long as you got you a nice car and you can make the house payment, now I've quit preaching, I've gone to meddling. As long as you can make your house payment, your car payment, and pay your electric bill, you're good. There's more. Because see, we've never looked. Now listen, I, I ain't bashing you. Hey, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Hey, I'm talking about if you don't know the double portion is there, you'll never look for it because you just be out there. Sure glad I got a car loan. Man, they swept me in the back door back there. I, I thought I wasn't going to get it. But they told me they'd really work it out with me as I stomped the bricks. 5%. Prepayment penalty. But bless God, I got me a nice car. Making bricks. Because you never knew the double portion. Believe God to pay for the car. Debt free. Now I really stretch. Well, we're doing good. Got your house paid for? Listen, I don't have my house paid for. So I ain't beating up on you. But I'm telling you, God wants me to. Then they can't tell you what you can do. Go make some more bricks. Bill and I, one time, the same time, we kind of bought some land from the same bank. And Bill went first. And Bill said, yeah, Rog, I was signing the notes. I was signing the paperwork 
And he reaches in and says, got some stuff for you. He threw some little old cheap old cap out there that has his advertisement on it. And then he threw a pair of work gloves out. And Bill said, I don't know if I want them or not. The word says the borrower is servant to the lender. Are you telling me to get the work gloves on? And so Bill told me that. So when I got it, you ought to know this guy. <laughs> he gets to jittering like a, like a prairie dog in a prairie dog hole, you know. I said, I don't know if I want those. I talked to Bill, and he said, the borrower's serving to the lender in the word, and I know what the word says. And he said, y'all quick to throw out work gloves. Are you telling us get to work because we're your slaves? <laughs> he went to batting eyes like a frog in a hailstorm. <clears throat> so you're telling me I'm supposed to have more than just my bills paid I'm telling you you're supposed to have more boats what is it God's put in your heart to do stop making bricks for Pharaoh the Sabbath rest is that rest they can't hoe you out. Land paid for, houses paid for, cars paid for. Now, if you'll stay with me in the next few weeks, if Pastor Guy lets me back in here again, he will. He's in agreement with me on this, by the way. If I get to get back, I want to tell you that how do we do the kingdom laws is we sow seed. And see, here's what the Lord showed me when he said, you don't know my kingdom very well. The Lord showed me that I'm a sower. You remember it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, the sower, or he, he, he gives you food to eat and seed to the sower. Didn't say the bucket plunker. To the sower. I mean, you got to be more than, oh, oh, it's offering time. Oh, oh, uh, you got 25 cents? Got a dollar and you bucket plunk. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you say, Lord, I want to give. What do you want me to give? And then you sow it into the kingdom. And I'm not talking about the tithe. The tithe is the fence of protection. But when we sow, that's when you get the crop. What are you doing in your fields? You see, the tithe puts a fence around your field from the enemy. But what are you sowing in your fields? So when we sow into the kingdom, we see the harvest. So Seed to the sower. But the Lord showed, but he said, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, and he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. I said, yes, amen, Lord. He said, but you ain't a reaper. I thought, man, isn't that the truth? You see, how do you become a, you've got to put the sickle in. When you sow, to operate in the kingdom laws, you already know, you assign the seed that you say, and you call in the harvest when you sow the seed. But instead, what do we do? Oh, and we pay it like an electric bill. And guess what? We get the same response from the kingdom, not because God's saying, well, I'll show them. No, 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 it's because it's, you don't cooperate with his law. You, you fall off the building and splat because you're trying to fly. And you fall splat because you didn't use lift and thrust. You flapped your arms. You just bucket plunked. You just threw it in there like a bill to the electric company. And guess what? The electric company don't care about you. 
miss one and you'll find out. Okay, so this is my first closing then. I'm, ra I'm wrapping this up. You hold back God or the kingdom. You hold back the kingdom, the government of God, the government, that justice and righteousness. You hold that back. Remember, it's not God arbitrarily going, oh, let me see, what am I going to decide today? No, he's already decided. It. He's made it law. It's called the last will and testament or the New Testament and the Old Testament. He's made it a law of the kingdom. So you hold yourself back by the way you think. And the way you think determines your future. The word of God is given to us as a mirror. It says in James that we behold ourselves as in a glass or a mirror. That word of God is a mirror. It tells us what we need to do with our lives. It tells us how we need to operate in the kingdom. There's 7,000 promises. There's 7,000 promises to show you how life's supposed to be in the kingdom. 7,000. The word of God. It's the promises of the kingdom and there's 7,000 of them. And all we gotta do is align ourselves with the kingdom. Now look, it's the same way with prayer. You hear a lot of people say, well, bless God, we prayed and God answered our prayers like we had something to do with it. No, the kingdom law had everything to do with it. We just finally prayed and cooperated with it. We finally got in the stream. Meanwhile, the river's going by all the time. We're standing there saying, we well, sure wish I could get a drink. And finally, whether somebody come along and stirred you up in a message and booted you off in the river and you went, you went to swallow down and sucked a little down just by osmosis, but you finally got in the river and got a drink. You cooperated with the flow. That's how you got over from point A to point B. You got in the flow, but the flow was there all along. It's called the kingdom. And when you operated, well, bless God. Two stories. So this is a story about Marianne. But I ain't going to do like Pastor Guy and start off comparing her to a dog. Nathan, you'll have to edit that out because nobody's going to know what that means except us. But Marianne wanted a car. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I was kind of dragging my... It's always a car, and I always drag my feet when it's hers. Mine, I'm all for it because I need it. You know, it's my business. Hers, it's a luxury. And so she wanted a car, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have sold cars. We have sown, so we operate in the principle. We didn't really put the sickle in, though, when we sold them. We helped sow cars into people. We helped buy cars. We helped make payments on cars for people. Over the years, I'm just talking about over the last 25 years. So we'd sold. It wasn't all of a sudden we just decided to do this one day and it worked. No. We had already sowed into the kingdom. But Mary Ann put the sickle in one day. And I'm telling you, God help us when she puts the sickle in. She's done it several times, and man, it manifested fast. So one day, we're driving through Hereford, five, six years ago, and there was a white, pearl white Yukon Denali sitting on five-star lot. It was used. 
It was one year old or two, right? Was it one? Had a few miles on it. And she, she'd been telling me. She knew exactly. Okay, if I say, uh, what kind of car are you believing God for? Debt free. You don't just go any old car. You get a picture in your mind. If you just get any old car, you ain't going to get any old thing. You have to get specific, okay? It's kingdom law now. So Marianne knew exactly. She said, I want a pearl white Yukon Denali with that 6'2", so when I romp on it, I can whip by somebody. And she's still this very day. She'll whip by somebody. She'll go, that 6'2 is awesome. Because <laughs> we used to have a Suburban that was gutless. And you'd romp on it and go, you know, and you'd pass the truck like this fast. And then finally go, and then it'd take off, you know, when it shifted into that high gear after you wound the engine up like a rubber band. Well, there's six two. When you romp on it, it's like, and it makes that old, you know, it makes that old carburetor noise. Anyway, so she told me, said, I want a white, pearl white Yukon Denali. I said, okay, I want it loaded out. I want it all. I said, okay. So one day, we're driving. We eat with Bill and Tim over here at El Jalisco's, and we're driving. We go by Five Star, and she goes, that's my car right there. I said, what? She goes, that's my car. It's sitting on the lot. And she rolls the window. Down. I'm calling you in, car, in the name of Jesus. See, she put the sickle in. She had sowed the seed. She called forth. She never flipped around. Oh, I want a red one. I want a gray one. I want a blue one. I want one. I, I, don't I want a pearl white Yukon Denali XL. There's a pearl white Yukon Denali XL sitting on the parking lot. And she goes, you agree with me, Rog? Because the word says where two or more agree. It's touching anything, it shall be done. I looked at her and said, uh-huh. Because I knew I was already toast. But hey, I, I had to believe God, amen? So this car, I said, but you see the price on that thing? I said, we ain't paying that. Okay, so fast forward a month or two months later, she's still, every Sunday, she goes, there's my car. I go, uh-huh. And I'm trying to drive by there real fast where she ain't looking at it, you know, because the sticker price is painted on the windshield, you know, great deal, high. And so <laughs> we're going by it. Well, two months go by, and all of a sudden I call this wholesaler buddy that I buy vehicles from because he sells them wholesale. And I've been buying pickups and cars. I said, man, I want a loaded out Yukon Denali pearl white for my wife. He said, man, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll tell you where. And this guy knows all the deals because he's the one that dealers call. And he comes and looks at them. And if they don't want to keep them on the lot, he hauls them to Dallas and puts them in the auction. So he, he says, I'll tell you what. The best deal in the whole Panhandle, Oklahoma, and everywhere else I've been is in Hereford, Texas. There's a pearl white Yukon Denali sitting there. Well, I didn't tell him we was already driving to go look at it. We was going to test drive that, but I thought, I'll see if I can find a cheaper one. So anyway, we go up there. He said, listen, he said they're wanting to sell that thing. He said it's got lot rot. I said, what's the matter with it? He said, ain't nothing matter with the car. He said, it's got what we call in the biz lot rot. He said, it's been sitting on that lot for over two months and they ain't sold it yet. He said, I don't know why. He said, they got people come. He said, he said, they got people come and test drive that thing and they will not buy it. 
And he said, it's a nice car. I went and looked at it. He said, I thought about buying it from my brother. But he said he didn't want one that fancy, so I didn't buy it for him. And he said, he said they're hurting. He said, they'll take way less. He said, here's what you give them. He said, they'll take way less. He said, they already came to me and wanted me to load it on my truck, haul it down to, to Dallas, put it in a car auction and sell it. But it was going to cost them 1500 for me to transport it and put it in sale. So he said, you offer them this much. He said, they've already dropped the price, 4000 on it. And he said, now you offer them this price because this is what it was going to cost them for me to take it down there. He said, I know they'll take it. But don't you tell them I told you. So... I hope none of them are watching. <laughs> anyway, so I go in there, sit down, talk to the guy. We look at it, and Marianne goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. This it, this it, this it. Yeah. So I tell him, I say, well, we'll give you this. Well, no, and I said, no, that's what we're going to give you. Long story short, and then they gave us a great price on our used Suburban, the one that went, you know, it was red though, and everybody loves a red car. So the kingdom is Marianne put the sickle in, and she harvested a white Yukon Denali. So last story, and then we're going to close. You know, we were the prophet had come and declared that the drought had stopped. And so the Lord began to work with me about this kingdom. And so I, I said, God, your word promises. I can, I, I can tell you every scripture about rain. You promised rain on my land and grass for my cattle, and it's getting dry. And I've got a beautiful cotton crop out there, but it ain't had a drink since before I planted it. It rained. I planted on the moisture, and it never rained on it. There was no rain in the forecast when I did this. I, I even get an agricultural guy out of the Midwest that he tells you the two-week forecast. And he's got all these things. He's showing all this stuff twirling. It's coming through here, and this arrow's going that way, and this one coming down. And oh, and then he's showing the drought monitor, and it's brown on top of us. Critical. They're in critical stage. They're, back. they're, they're, they're ending into the drought. I, finally, I said, oh, shut up. And I just turned it off my phone. And so I told Mary, I said, we got to get some seed in the ground. So we get a seed in the ground. By July 1st, my seed was, because, see, you got to be specific. I mean, when I, when I plant corn, when Bill plants corn, when we plant cotton, we will spend the first day we start planting, we'll spend hours out there scratching in the dirt behind the planter. We pull the planter up 100 yards, we stop, and we dig. And everybody's out there, there's five of us, and we're all digging. How deep you got it? I got it this deep. Well, I found one this deep. Well, was it in wet dirt, or was it kind of, you know, I mean, we're analyzing it. We're picking it apart, and we want the seed. What's the plant population? What did you set that plant by? Is it fluctuating a whole lot, or is it holding steady? And you get that plant. Well, corn, when you plant corn, you want to drive by it, and when you look down the row, it's a beautiful row, but when you look at it from the side, you want to see it diagonal. Almost. That's how exact because, see, we don't just go out there and slop seed in the ground like we do spiritually. We're very specific in what we do. We sow at a certain depth. We sow at a certain population. We sow it at a certain ground temperature on a certain day with a certain moisture condition. But we sow in the kingdom just like if we went out there with one of those little old fertilizer spreaders and just threw some seed in it and went, you know, and it got the little whirly bird thing and it just shoots it out there. 
You'll get a terrible stand. It'll be thick in one spot and nothing. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm listening. And so I got very specific. I need a two-inch rain on my land by July the 1st. I need two inches of rain. Your word says you'll give us timely rain. I'd already sowed a seed earlier in the year for timely rains. And it probably was during the uh, Passover. I sowed a seed for timely rains. Pastor Guy and Carol prayed over it. You see, and you don't just sow it anywhere. You sow it where people will agree with you. And so then, a couple of days go by, and Marianne says, Rog, we still hadn't sent that check off. We got to get that seed in the ground. I said, we got to get that seed in the ground. So we get over, we get the credit card out. Now, I ain't recommending you use credit card. It's, it's going to be paid off. I'm not putting it on credit. But we did it to get online and get that seed in the ground. So I sold it into a ministry and I sent them a prayer deal. And I said, a two-inch rain by July the 1st on all of my land. And then they agreed with it. Marianne heard them come back on the home answering machine. It's a trap for all the telemarketers. We never use it. But she did listen to the messages and heard that ministry say, we're in agreement for a two-inch rain on all your land by July the 1st. Okay, so. No rain in the forecast. And all of a sudden, I even heard, uh, what's his name, Gwen, Alan Gwen say on Channel 10, this is highly unusual, but we got a low, a high up here and a high up here, and a la la la, and the rain's just funneling, and all this moisture, and I'm going, thank you, Jesus. It hadn't rained yet. I still hadn't seen the rain, but thank you, Jesus. Now the news is agreeing with you. Now listen. Here's where people miss it, and here's where you stop the flow of God. If I would have said, because I sowed a seed, I got a rain. No. Because I sowed a seed, I got in the river. Because I sowed a seed, I started flowing with what God's already had lined up for me all along, but I wasn't looking for it. So I sowed a seed. Okay, this is so cool. So I get, I get six-tenths with the first rain. It was like on the 19th of June. I'm going, glory to God, thank you, Lord. First rain I'd seen in over a month. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome. Man, that old cotton just perked up. Well, then the next night, followed by an inch. So now I'm up to an inch 60. And then a few nights later, two tenths. I'm like, glory to God. I only had one farm that was over two inches. And I'm like, God, okay, the, the, uh, June the 30th. That's the last day of June, by the way. June the 30th. And I'm like, Lord, all I know is this. They're not for, oh, there was some little old clouds up in eastern New Mexico and they were just, you know, on the radar when I looked at them. They're just fizzling. I said, I don't know, God. All I know is this. Your kingdom always works. If we work the kingdom, the kingdom always works. And by midnight tonight, I'll have my two inches of rain. See, you've got to, you've got to speak the word over your seed too. You can't say, well, I was afraid it wouldn't work. I didn't knew it. I just knew it wasn't going to work. Just tickle me to death. You see, we curse our seed. It's the same as when Bill and I planted. One time we were planting and we were so into how exact it needed to be, we looked and pretty soon looked like a bunch of little prairie dogs that dug up all the seed for 25 yards. We said, we ain't getting nothing up. We keep digging it all up. I was digging. You dig up the seed if you go to saying, uh-uh. I said, your word is true, God, and I believe it. And so I go to bed. I just go to bed. I thought, 
Praise the Lord. I'm going to bed. I ain't thinking about it again. His word's true. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God's true. I go to bed, not a cloud in the sky. 11 o'clock. I hear rain hitting my skylight in my bathroom by my bedroom. I jump out of bed. I run in the living room. I turn on the lights. I look out, and water's just pouring off my roof. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. It's 11 o'clock. I know this will be at least a half inch of rain because that puts me to the two inches. I go over and I look at the phone. I pull the phone up. My radar. I pull up my radar. It's a big old massive yellow and green and red, but not bad red. Heavy red. Because I know the difference between bad red with hail. Because then I go to speaking to that radar. And so I see, and I go, thank you, Jesus. I'm going back to bed. Remember the double portion I told you it ain't just two? I got two and a half inches of rain, that one rain. That's God. That's the kingdom of God. Now, did it happen because I sowed the seed? No. I got an agreement, and he could, he could work on the earth. I didn't have anything to do with it. It's the goodness of God. And when we start thinking, it's the same way when we say, well, we prayed and God did this. No, then we limit God because we're taking the glory for it. And I'm telling you, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you.